Welcome back to the Life Coach BFF show, where there is always a seat at our table for you. Get comfy as we visit with Amanda Bass, who states that she knows the world of designer bags like Coco Chanel knew the art of the little black dress. As always, we thank you for joining us. Now let's get right to our discussion. This is exciting, ladies. Okay, we are here today with Amanda Bass. Amanda, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here, and thank y'all for having me. Amanda blogs at gotitinthebag.com. She also has been named the top 10 Tennessee small business entrepreneurs of 2021, one of the top 10 which is huge, Amanda. I'm so excited for you. I can't imagine. <laughs> well, I can't imagine how that must feel. Um, it feels pretty amazing, kind of surreal because I wasn't, I didn't know <laughs> until they announced. Um, so I kind of caught the news with everybody else and um, being a brand new company and just kind of like, I don't know, you just never expect getting anything like that coming out the gate or being brand new and just kind of stepping in to your own, I guess, in business world. So to have that type of backing already is in just incredibly surreal. And just honestly, I'm still trying to like believe and like look at the article and I look, I tell my husband, I'm like, I got top 10. So that's pretty cool. Right. And he's like, yeah. We think it's more than cool, Amanda. And yeah, look, very, very we, cool. Before we talk about that, I also want to say that you, you're, you, we can find you at, on Instagram at Diaries mm-hmm. of a Warrior Mom. Mm-hmm. So that's where you're. Don't you think you're most prevalent there? Do you feel like I do? Um, I, we do have a business Instagram, but we just started it, so it's growing. Um, but I do the most, you know interactive with audience and everything like that on my personal, which is diaries of a warrior mom. And we also, I mean, I talk about everything there, business, um, life, family, you name it. We kind of talk about it and we go over things and I just kind of, I share, well, I share and live by my motto, um, which I'm sure we'll get into, but, um, I try to do and keep as close to that as possible. So I definitely enjoy being on my personal the most. Well, I love it. I love it because it's, I mean, one picture, excuse me, one picture, it's a designer bag. And the next picture you're on your horse or Mm -hmm. it's one of your kids. And it is, I think it's a wonderful visual representation of your life how you've got your business at home and you homeschool and like everything is happening out of your home and you're somehow making it work (laughs) right I love it I do try to keep you know a lot of bloggers keep a, a very like color coordinated social media um and I just try to be real life you know, just show my real life, do real life. Um, that way I feel like I'm my most authentic self, which I feel like people really want right now, instead of, um, picture perfect esque type in these tiny little squares across Instagram. And so I do, I show every part of my life down to when I'm in the hospital. So, you know, I, I enjoy it. And I think people, it really resonates with people. They want to see that, you know, not just good times, but tough times and a little bit of struggle and you speak about it. And the more open and honest you are about those things, more people can relate and start to feel like they're not alone. That's so true. And also it, it makes your um, success in what you've done even more inspirational because instead of, um, you know, like you said, being and unrelatable it's like oh her life is perfect and I can never do that because mine's not it's it's even more inspiring because you're like yes there's up there's down but you can still do it and I just love that 
Thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. I agree. Well, let's start out. This is so exciting. So let's start out with your success. And then I'll, I would like to talk about what led up to this. Okay. So we launched in January of this year. Um, yeah, <laughs> January of this year. Um, and I did not expect it to really take off the way that it, that it did. Um, we kind of did a test on Facebook, like a private group, which has now turned into like our VIP Facebook private group where we'll often we'll do raffles and giveaways and all types of things like that. Um, a lot of fun activities in there. Um, and we started there and once people were like really interested in it, I started working on the website. I kind of went backwards if I'm honest, um, and did everything backwards, but it just worked for me. And I think for me seeing what people wanted and what they were looking for was a big deal for me. I wanted to make sure that whatever we provided, um, based off of what I was able to provide was what somebody really wanted. Um, and it wasn't just like me saying, Oh, you want this and then putting it out there. It was more people driven from the very beginning. Um, and I think that's helped a lot and we've gained several articles now, um, and features from medium to CEO medium to the top 10, um, entrepreneurs in Tennessee, as well as like, we're, we're coming up on some bigger things that I can't announce just yet. But, um, to me that really launched it for itself. And then when we went to website, um, it's just kind of grown from there and it's just taken off on its own. And I've been very shocked. I mean, we're busy enough that it's just me and my best friend, Caitlin, that run it at home. And we often are like, okay, we've got to get better organization or we are going to like mess up somewhere. So we've got a lot of like schedules and planners trying to keep everything in line because Naturally, I'm the only one right now that does a lot of our personal shopping. She's learning how. But, you know, when you have corporate contacts, those are not as flexible to work with new people as you technically would like for them to be um, in a business world. But I really enjoy it. And it's a lot of fun. And I mean, now we're we're accepting applications and we're just going to kind of see kind of what areas in the business we need the most help in. Well, let's talk about the product, Amanda, because we haven't mentioned what the fabulous product is yeah. that you are selling at gotitinthebag.com. So we do like all of your handbags, designer handbags, that can mean high-end names to, you know, lower-end still designer brands. Um, my dad, which is, he's since passed, but we, um, when I was growing up, I would always get a designer bag from him because he would always go out of the country. He was a big, um, VP into some crop elevator. And so he was the VP of global engineering as well as global technology, mechanical engineering to be specific, because he would correct me on that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he developed all these contacts, um, in the corporate sections of whichever brands he had started purchasing the most and he did this from when I was six all the way up until he passed away and um after he passed away one of our favorite movies that we watched together along with many others was P.S. I Love You and I did not know that he knew that he was going to pass away it was a complete shock to us we didn't know um, and it was very unexpected and very like sudden. We had no clue. And he had scheduled these shipments of um, various different bags that he had selected with his handwritten notes um, with it. And they would they were instructed that when his secretary called to notify them to mail them out on X, you know, time frame. One was like a week after the other was like a month after. Um and they just kept going until it was the end of, of the deliveries. And um, 
one of them was a backpack and it talked about the letter talked about he's always got my back like that type of thing and so it was just really emotional and I remember like thinking that these people who I've grown up with and I've met helped him do this and that just it made that even stronger because you know you've got these people that you know and you kind of got a personal relationship with already but not as personal as when you know you lose somebody huge in your life and then they help like with this elaborate plan that he had planned out apparently for months and I didn't even know about it but they helped him and that to me was just like that solidified that bond with those corporate contacts at that point. And so one of the things that my dad and I had talked about was to be able to bring the big designer names and everybody else that we had connections with to everybody, whether that meant while they're at home on vacation, whatever it is. And one of my favorite experiences is to go in with a personal shopper and they help you find the bag that you're wanting for whatever you want it for. Um, that was one of my favorite experiences as like a young girl was to do that. Cause I was really little when I did the first, you know, visit to the store and the first personal shopping experience. And that was such a prominent memory in my mind and such a big feeling that I was like, I want to recreate that for everybody. Like everybody needs to feel that. And, um, so we just bring all of the designer name bags, handbags specifically. We do other items, but those are generally on special requests. So we do wallets. Um, we can do clothing, but naturally we don't stock anything like that um, because of sizes. And that's just not my expertise. I generally will do it if somebody knows what they want um, and we'll help order. But it's normally handbags and, and handbag accessories that we deal with the most. Um, that means from Chanel down to Kate Spade, you name it, we do it. And we've got contacts in almost every designer brand with the exception of like Fry and a few other ones that we've worked with, but maybe not necessarily as close as some of these other brands will. So we do a lot of handbags, pretty much any of them. <laughs> what do you think it is about designer handbags that women just get so excited about what what is it um <clears throat> at least for me and what I hear from all my clients is that that bag makes their confidence just soar or they could have that one accessory that they have worked so hard to get they put a lot of time and energy into the thought and the process down to saving the money for it, or even just like looking for the perfect bag for whatever, whether it's an event or an everyday bag. And when they put it on, I think it's like this confidence boost. It's got like this, I don't know, you put it on and you kind of feel like you're the boss, even though you might not be the boss necessarily. So it kind of gives I don't know. It gives you a constant confidence boost. It gives you this, um, this feeling of, and I, I hate to you of being a badass. I mean, I hate I saying that it. necessarily, but that's <laughs> kind of what I hear that from a lot of women. They're like, I put this back on and I feel like a badass. And I think that that is what a lot of these women are looking for, including myself when I've done it, you know, I'm not super girly. I don't always do my hair or makeup or anything, but this is the one girly thing that I do like and I do enjoy. And so it's almost, I view it as almost like how people would view red lipstick back way back when, when that was like a, a seductive thing. Um, and you were almost considered like you had bewitched somebody to some degree. And I look at bags the same way, like you either feel sexy or a badass or just you're confident. And I think that that is what a lot of women want to feel with their bag and not frumpy. And like, I still have a baby's diaper bag with me, you know, especially after you've had kids, you know, and I think that's a lot of it. Yeah. I, well, and I, for me, I think that 
the bag represents more. It's something just for me because as a mom and a wife, we give, 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 give. And at the end of the day, what really belongs to us? Right. Not even a hairbrush, honestly. Right. So I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's the, it's the one thing that I will purchase for myself that truly belongs to me until one of the LPs comes and borrows it. (laughs) And then you don't see it again. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, I've had moms that have like, I haven't owned like a bag that was just mine and not like my toddlers or a, a diaper bag in 10 years. And I'm like, I get it. I know what that feels like. And I do agree that that is definitely like something else, especially for moms that you just feel like this is mine, but it also almost gets their groove back. Like it makes you feel more you and like you are finally not just everything that we have to be as moms, even though we're never just those things we can feel like that. And I think that the bag helps kind of get ourselves back in a sense. Well, that, (laughs) that is truly relatable. Mm -hmm. I mean, definitely relatable. And Susan and I, we have a a little story about Louis Vuitton bags. (laughs) Oh goodness. I've got to hear. We, when we homeschooled, we were homeschool moms. Like I told you, we're retired homeschool moms. Neither of us homeschool now. So Susan, she has one who's graduated from college, three college age now. And my two youngest, I have one that's graduated, one that's in college. And my two youngest are, one is just coming out of elementary. So anyway, that background being said, at one point while we homeschooled, we started a classical school. Really? We did. And it was a process, wasn't it, Susan? Yes. It was <laughs> we jumped in with both feet, not knowing what in the world we were doing. It's oh, <laughs> and I definitely understand that. Yes. And we hired, this is when our oldest LPs, Little Preciouses, were beginning, I believe it was the seventh and eighth grade and we just mm-hmm. could no longer keep up with all the reading on our own mm-hmm. and so and we science labs <laughs> yeah <laughs> science labs science is definitely as my boys get older I'm like uh yes. okay this is a lot <laughs> yes so as a reward to ourselves when we were in the thick of things we, we, this was volunteer work, so we were not being paid, but we did treat ourselves to a Louis Vuitton. Hey, I mean, that, which bag did you choose? That's what I want to know. <laughs> know. The names of them. Do you, Susan? I don't know all of my bags. either. It's, it's the, the Lord, the satchel, you know, with the, um, you know, with just the two handles, it kind of fits on your shoulder. And oh, I got a, a bigger size than, than Heather did just because yes. I'm taller. Yeah. It has a zipper think, on it. Okay. It might not be that the Neverfull doesn't have a zipper. What color did you get? <laughs> they were just the, <laughs> the, the classic dark brown. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it though. That's like their staple. I mean, it's their, yeah. it's their staple. Well, that was our favorite purse I've ever had. I I think I carried it every day for eight years. (laughs) I mean, look, Louis Vuitton's got some, some life to their bags, man. I mean, they hold up. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's still, it's still in perfect condition. And I love that you, um, you're the only other person really that I've met that loves designer bags, but doesn't do the entire you know what I'm talking <laughs> the entire dress yes up. I had people tease me about carrying it with um like my kids rodeoed you know and so I would yes. have on the rodeo get up with my Louis Vuitton I was like what's wrong with it this is my I get it <laughs> I get it I get it I get it because my husband laughed at me so I turned um there's this old vintage um, Louis Vuitton, it's like a satchel, but it's a, it looks like saddlebags because there's like two flaps on it and they've got like a saddlebag flap. And then, um, you could un, 
unhook the two sides open and it flaps flat so you could technically turn it in saddlebags and my horse Chanel which she's obviously named for a very good reason um she has I've turned that bag into saddlebags and for the saddle horn um and I get teased about that too so I get it I get it I get it (laughs) yeah Susan and I we are not afraid to pair Gucci with Walmart same not same or I mean I don't I mean t-shirts I won't spend a ton on t-shirts like I'll go to Goodwill don't I I won't pass up a good Goodwill trip because right. <laughs> I, I just don't I have boys all boys and we have a farm and we have all these animals so naturally like I just can't see spending a ton on clothing half the time I can see it which is funny no but, you can hardly you can hardly afford to get dressed up too nice when you have a farm because you never know what you're going to be doing later in the day. Right. <laughs> Outside I mean, with the animals. <laughs> we get hit with random, random things in the middle of the day. And I'm like, okay, we've got to go deal with this. Let's go deal with this now. And, you know, especially with us homeschooling and we aren't home a lot. I'm not one. I'm not somebody that has to get dressed up, hair done, makeup done, put on like, normal everyday clothing to feel good being at home um so 95 percent of the time I'm in sweats or pajama pants and a t-shirt and I homeschool that way and I do get a lot of people laughing they're like well you have minion sweatpants on and you have a Chanel bag and I'm like well (laughs) that that works for me but you really do the bags you get what you pay for honestly like as far as quality and durability and longevity of the bag a lot of husbands come to me and they're like why does this cost so much and I'm like you'll be surprised how long it lasts and that it's it will hold up not not if you like over abuse it but it will hold up you know for general everyday use um and that's a big deal. And a lot of husbands calm down then. And then they see that it's lasted a long time. Or I have husbands that are like, these things last forever. I know they do. So I'm just going to go ahead and snag my wife one. And those are, those are the ones that I really love helping with because I'm like, okay, I get to like go and kind of look at like her social media and kind of get a feel for her style and what bag she carries on there. And then they kind of fill me in on everything else. And I get to help kind of be that silent person who gets to like help in the surprise, which is a lot of fun. Okay. Speak, let's, I want to ask you this, Amanda, because we were talking about your horse Chanel and I've seen your beautiful picture on Instagram and you have labeled yourself as disabled. I am. Yes. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Because I think that that's so inspiring that you, you do have these issues that you face daily, but you continue to press on. Correct. Um, so I'm pretty much depending on what doctor you ask, I'm either bionic or cyborg. So, which is really funny to say, But my lower half of my spine is all mechanical. Um, All of my GI organs are mechanical. None of them are human. Um, I have two battery packs in the lower, both on the backside um, next to my spine, kind of closer to the right hip. And then I have a battery on my left side. They have to be on polar opposite sides of the body to not interact. And I run off of like voltage amps. Um, timing frequency I have to charge every night um, just like you know a car or a toy or whatever you've got to charge I have to watch battery life I do have a remote (laughs) Um, so what that means is my GI track um, doesn't function like everybody else's and so I get my nutrition through a Hickman catheter that's in my chest and It's not a port. It actually goes into my jugular vein down into like your vena cava and then pumps in the nutrition via IV. And so 
I do my IV nutrition 12 hours every night um, while I'm also charging every other organ in my body. Um, and I'm pretty much hooked to the wall all night because I've got to stay, you know, new, I have to get my nutrition. I don't get it any other way. I can drink and I can eat like very, very, very small amounts. Um, as long as I separate it between like six to 12 things a day. And a lot of that's to maintain my swallowing ability as well as like to help with some of the stomach acid that's still produced. Um, and that's how I get to my, my nutrition. And I mean, these things, having bionic organs is not exactly comfortable. It is very, um, I mean, when it's cold out, you get cold from the inside out (laughs) because those, those like metal pieces get really cold when you're hot, you really get hot, especially when you're charging, um, the metal heats up as the battery heats up and charges. Um, and I have to strap a lot of things across my abdomen and like make sure it's all like positioned correctly before I can go to sleep. Um, and then the leads go down into my legs. So they'll, they are threaded all the way down through into my upper part of both of my legs. And predominantly I'm in a wheelchair. Um, recently I have made about this time last year, I started working on walking because my husband and I are renewing our vows on Saturday and I wanted to walk down the aisle and not be in my wheelchair because I'm honestly, you know, I don't like to sit in that thing for very long. But, um, you know, being able to, we had our first wedding, our actual wedding, we had, um, we were did it on obstacle course covered in mud. And the preacher was so sweet because he was not worried about stepping in the mud to get to us because we started out and it was pretty symbolic. And um, we started out starting point and you go through ups and downs and hills and valleys and get dirty and, and everything with each other. But then you come out on the finish line with each other and you still choose each other every single day. And that's, we got married at the end of the obstacle course race. And so I wanted to still be able to walk down the aisle in this way. And I mean, I've done it. I'm Saturday's coming and I have been monitoring my walking ability and it's not forever. It's temporary. I always end up having to go back in it because my body doesn't tolerate a ton Um, and I am homebound and that a lot of that's doctor pushed on that end. Otherwise I'd probably push it just a little bit, but, um, I am homebound. So being homebound and wheelchair and not being able to do a lot of things for yourself, you really have to start thinking out of the box. You know, I, I can't, um, so I am legally blind. (laughs) So, um, I just, actually this past September got diagnosed with that right before we launched our business and it was hereditary. We had no clue. My distant cousin has it, but we never thought that that was like a thing for anybody else. Um, and it hit and it was, and so I can't see around our home very well, but I, they are not joking. When you lose a sense, you learn to like, really hear, feel, and I don't know, vibrations and all these different things start coming to light that you really didn't know before. Um, and I do have to rely on my older boys a little more than I would like to. And that's a humongous, like difficult thing to like swallow as a mom, especially when you're homeschooling and you're like, well, this is not how this was supposed to go. You know, like this is not what it should have been. So I have a lot of surgeries also. So it's just a lot. I mean, it is difficult. It is um, not what I had envisioned for my life. This is not, I've not always been this way. It kind of happened out of nowhere. Um, And it was a freak incident. And then, I mean, it's just, I woke up, it was like this and I had to suck it up and move forward or let it take me down with it. And I refuse to, I wanted to show my boys that no matter what curveballs life throws at you, that you can find a way, whether it's a detour or not, 
you might take longer, you might have to work harder, it might take twice as long, you know, that type of thing um, on everyday tasks. You know, I mean, for me, I no longer get peace in the shower because I have to have help. So that's, that's a lot. And I have to watch to make sure water doesn't get on my Hickman catheter or on some of my other access points that we have to keep an eye out. And so those are like, those little things that you then no longer have, you really learn to think outside of the box. And that's where Chanel and my service dog partly come into big play because I can just ride on her. And I know that she and my service dog have my back and I can go by myself. It's my only form of independence. And that's just my time, you know, to just be me no matter what that means now, you know? So I pray that I teach my kids and I inspire somebody else who might be really struggling and whether they're newly diagnosed or they've been diagnosed for a long time and they're stuck. Um, I really pray that I can inspire them to just do, do whatever. It's going to be difficult. It's you're going to probably need a lot longer to complete tasks or to do things, but you will do fine if you really want it. Wow. That's hard to wrap my brain around Amanda. No. <laughs> It's a lot to, to consider and things that I've never even entertained. I didn't even know that those advances had been made to make this possible. They really so. weren't. I was a test one. It was a Hail Mary. Like, we didn't know. It was a what if. We were literally just at that point that it was either we try it or we don't. And I die anyways so we were at that point where I was dying it was either that or this and we tried it and it worked and we've just been maintaining it and now we just maintain I have to go to a very special group of doctors um there's only two hospitals here in Memphis that can handle me which is the med and then bad deceased um and they're the only ones that have the doc, some of the doctors that can deal with me and outside of that, they have to fly me out, you know, out of state, not even Vanderbilt. So they end up going to some of the research, bigger research hospitals like Mayo and that type of thing. Um, so it isn't common. It isn't something, I mean, our youngest shouldn't have been possible because he was, I had carried him with all of this <laughs> and that was like a freak thing. We should have never been able to do that. Um, wow. So it is a lot. And yeah. for those of you curious, my x-rays are on my Instagram. <laughs> They're pretty interesting. Oh, wow. You know what this reminds me of, Amanda? This just came into my mind. But I was listening to someone speak, and I can't even tell you who it was. <laughs> it was just random. But he spoke of when Jesus was in the boat with the disciples and the storm came. And all the disciples were afraid. I think we, everyone knows the story, but Jesus stepped out of the boat and the disciples were like, what, what are, they, what are you doing? Why are you, you know, it just, when they, when they saw him, they thought it was a ghost and Peter, even though he was afraid, he stepped out of the boat in fear, even in fear, he stepped out of the boat. He was willing to take a chance. And that's what this reminds me of. You could stay in your comfort zone, in your home, behind closed doors, not reach out to anyone, not take chances, but you have stepped out of the boat. Yes. I love, obviously, the Bible's my jam because, you know, I'm getting my master's in divinity. So I'm in seminary full time. And I love that story. I definitely think to be able to like overcome things like that, you have to be willing to step outside and of whatever that comfort box of yours is. Because for me, leaving the home is a very difficult thing because I can't, I've, I've memorized everything in the home, you know, and how it is. And I know the noises and I know where I need to be careful and where I, I'm fine especially working on the walking, but at my grandmother's, um, the floors, she has like a split level. And so there's stairs and then the floors are the same as the stairs. And that kind of 
bleeds into each other, the way that I can see is between light colors. Um, sometimes if something's light on something dark or something's dark on something light and then the light shines on it a little bit, I can see it differently. But if you are somebody that that it is difficult for you to do whatever it is difficult for you to do. If you don't step outside of that, you're not ever going to progress. And that is something that I strongly, you know, encourage. And I tell people to do it because I could have stayed, you know, stagnant and, and miserable and angry because that's not what I envisioned for my life and my husband and my kids. But I mean, what would I be teaching them? you know, what example would I be leading? And for me, it's, you know, we are also told that we should trust God in what we are doing and believe that whatever happens in our life is, is his plan. And so this is obviously his plan for me. And so I just trust it and I just go with it and I live life. I mean, you can't, I mean, you could sit there and just survive. I've been in that mode too. But when you do that, you're miserable. You can't enjoy anything. So you have to live. And living means stepping out of that, you know, and enjoying life, whatever that is. Start looking at what you can do and not what you can't do, you know. Right, right. That's And that's what they say that you should every day, instead of complaining about the things that you have to do, you should say, thank you that I get to do this today. I get to go and do whatever. I get to take these classes online for you right now. And I love that place that of coming from gratitude. I love right. that you have that grateful heart and grateful spirit. There's a lot to be gleaned from that. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's taken me a lot of work it's not an overnight thing to get there. Um, for me, I always, when my kids can play, I mean, they, they're kids, they're 16, 13 and four and the older boys will complain. And I'm like, are you breathing? And they're like, yes. I'm like, are you walking? They're like, yes. I said, do you have hands to do things with? Yes. Do you have eyes that you can see? Yes. Do you have ears that you can hear and a mouth that you can talk? Yes. Then you should be thankful because there's people out there that don't have those things. So be proud of what you've got. And to me, that means the basics of the basics. It starts with your body and being proud that you can do whatever you can do physically and whatever those senses you've got, use them, be proud of them. Don't take them for granted because one of the biggest things that I, um, when I lost my vision, cause naturally that was a panic mode. Like we didn't know why we didn't know what happened. Um, and it, it was fast. It was like, I could see at the beginning of the week, end of the week, it was a little hazy in the middle. I thought, eh, that's just my eyes. Cause I had worn contacts for so long. Um, and I'd had like cornea abrasions and all types of things like that. Cause I, overused and abused contacts basically wearing them for like 24 hours when they weren't supposed to you name it and when I lost the sight I panicked and I was like oh my god like I've taken for granted seeing my kids faces every day like I've taken for granted looking at my husband's face every day and now I can't see those defined features and it was it was like a woe with me moment and then I always give myself a timer depending on the severity and then I'll evaluate the severity. So this one, I gave myself several days, but after that several day period, it's time for you to suck it up, get up and move forward. And that's it. Like you have to allow yourself to feel the emotions because a lot of people are like, Oh, well you don't feel like you just, you don't have bad days. And I'm like, no, I do. I allow myself to cycle through those emotions. I cry. I, you know, will write in my journal, whatever. If I need to go outside and yell, I'll go outside and yell. Like whatever I've got to do, I do it. But then I move forward. Like once you've gotten it out of your system, go forward, just do it. And it works. It's the only thing that seems to work for me. And I, 
I tell myself on the front end, okay, Amanda, this is what's going on. Figure out a timeline. Uh-huh. And we figure out a timeline. We as in like my husband and I now, because, you know, with all of this, um, he's every bit of affected as I am. And so are the kids. So the timeline also needs to be fair to them, not just me. You know, it, you can't be selfish about that because they're in a home with you watching you go through something they cannot control and men and not being able to control and fix things is like a big deal (laughs) (laughs) the worst for them that's the worst so you know it's a it's almost like a family effort I'm like how long do y'all need how long you know is okay with y'all what would affect you you know, like we, we go over it and I don't shelter my kids from that. Like life's going to hit them like a ton of bricks. Yes. So, life, life is slippery. Life is it slippery. Is. And if they don't know how to deal with it, they're in trouble. Very much so. And that is something I get asked, especially as a homeschool mom. They're like, how do you show your kids real life? I'm like, I live real life in front of them. And I let them see the good, the bad, the ugly. You know, and then if I've handled something incorrectly, I say, you know what, I'm sorry, I failed and I shouldn't have handled it that way. Like we have to be able to admit when we're wrong and, you know, I'm not afraid to look at my kids and say, you know what, I probably shouldn't have been that upset over that. Or, you know, I cried too long over something so minuscule for whatever reason, and they seem to handle curveballs really well now like they don't they still feel the emotions with us but they don't panic or freak out or think that it's the end of the world or whatever and I remember being at their age feeling like it was the end of the world if like the tiniest thing happened and so I was very glad to see that they aren't like that and um I wasn't sheltered either but you know I was a teenage girl that was dramatic about everything. So no, no, we don't know any, any teenage girls like that. And we've never been that way. Have we Susan? No, never. (laughs) We don't even know any now. Right. You know, we're so sorry that you you're like that, Amanda. (laughs) I know. Right. Goodness. Because I I want to talk about these monkeys. I know Susan wants to know about the monkeys too. Right. Yes. They're so cute. And um, I have a friend whose mom fostered um, capuchin monkeys like years and years ago. Um, and she would foster, they would foster them when they were babies and they were going to be service monkeys. And y'all, yours are just so precious. Are they just pets? Were they service pets? Service they animals? are just pets. They're so just pets. The United States no longer looks at capuchins as service um animals because so many people back in the 70s were getting them and using them for that but then not really understanding what it takes to have one and then there became a lot of biting instances and um they obviously just like pit bulls and rottweilers got a bad name because of that um I actually started out like Oh goodness, it's been 11-ish years ago, maybe a little, no, because 11 years is my anniversary of disability this July. So it's been probably closer, geez, it's been closer to 15 or 16 years. Um, And I started by going to the zoo here in Memphis, and I remember like everybody love monkeys right and so I remember going and talking to the zookeeper of the primates at that time just curious about just learning really just curious and he was talking about that there is there's like a group of people or there was back then um it's changed now that um help zoos and they help like um for instance, zoos are, have like a, a set number per habitat that they can hold. Um, and if another zoo doesn't have space for that primate or whatever species it is for that time frame, they have to find a temporary holding spot for that 
animal. So I remember talking, I was like, well, how do I get into that? And he kind of told me a little bit. And at the time, things are much different now and they've changed and there's a lot of different things. But at the time, you would go and get um, experience hours and various other different things, talk to TWRA, obviously, and get um, whatever training and all that that you needed at the time, which wasn't a ton. Um, I was actually really shocked at that time that it wasn't a ton. And, but I did it. And then I started like um, rescuing and rehabilitating. So when TWRA or even the USDA at that point, because we ended up going federal with our permits and licensures and all that, so we could help other states and bring them in and like border patrol, whoever, because, you know, people import these animals illegally, people have them illegally and legally and don't know what they're doing. Um, and I remember getting the first one that had bit somebody and they were giving it two chances before they put it down. And I was like, I'll, I'll work on it. Like, bring it to me. I'll, I'll do it. And, um, it was Isaiah and Casey were young and they were probably, they're three years apart. So three and maybe like, well, four and a year old ish. And I just remember telling my husband, you know what, we have got to like try, like, I can't let this animal just get put down because somebody failed it, you know, failed the animal, not the other way around. And I got it. It failed miserably. You know, they still ended up having to put the primate down, but that just lit a fire under me to like, start rescuing and rehabilitating primates and that includes chimps that I've done um for a period of time and it just it made me really see that people just did not know how much goes into these primates and we did that for a long time and so we've had quite a few primates like several hundreds of primates that have come through here and that we've rehabilitated some of them have not ended in a great you know, story and some of them have, and they've gone on to either be in a sanctuary or a a safari zoo or another zoo in the U S. Um, and they come from everywhere. I mean, legal owned who maybe neglect or don't know what they're doing, or they bit somebody and now they're in trouble or illegally confiscated because somebody's reported them because they're trying to sell them. Um, and they don't, you know, that's just not something that we condone, but these are pets here. We've raised them since babies, Evie and Gracie. Evie will be two next month. Gracie will be a year old in two months um, in July. And excuse me, it's June. So Evie's going to be two on the 12th. And um, Gracie is going to be one on the 3rd of July, which I don't know why I totally skipped that it's June. This is I can't a believe it's June, Amanda. I know. I I know. I'm, I'm a little shocked right now that I actually, and I should know because our anniversary is this weekend, so I should know better. But um, we've raised them since babies. So Evie's mom um, was in a zoo, and so they're pack animals, and they very much have a, a large. In the wild, they run in about thirty-ish plus primates in one family. And they're family-oriented primates. And um, Evie's mom was the head of their pack community, whatever, who everybody calls it different. Um, and another female challenged her while Evie was still brand new and attached to her. She had gotten knocked off. Mom got seriously injured, could no longer breastfeed. And we just took her in. It was supposed to be temporary, but then the longer she was here the more we bonded and she did not want to go like she just attached herself to us and it was almost like she picked us and then we picked her too because she just she would not go they would come to get her and she would just latch on the hardest like latch on with her little hands that she could do and like and she didn't want to go anywhere and I I couldn't bring myself to force it and so I was like she can stay it's fine Um, and then Gracie was premature. And when they're super premature like that, the pack leaves them behind because they're a liability. Um, and so we, 
you know, have her. Both of their moms have survived and are well, but it's just that's the pecking order in the wild, and that's what they do. So um, we've had both of them since they were itty-bitty. Gracie, we weren't sure was going to survive, <laughs> so that was a little nerve-wracking. But um, they've been thriving and loving it, and we love them, and we have a blast with them, and they're they're good. It takes a lot. Um, you know, they're not an animal you can leave in a kennel for eight hours and come home and they're going to be happy. No, they're going to be mad at you <laughs> and you've got to like get them out. So with the boys, I homeschool them and I homeschool the primates. They need a lot of intellectual stimulation. Um, she's over here crying right now. I don't know if y'all can hear. Um, I didn't know if that was at your house or my house because somebody's no, that's, that's, that's great. Get the door right now. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's Gracie. Um, they have their little cribs and she's over here in the crib and I hear her. she's probably like, why are you sitting there and not with me? Um, so, you know, we do, I don't let my kids like run off with them without my supervision because they're still young and they're still learning. And um, I'm really big on safety and just making sure that they understand what they're doing and that they don't do something wrong and that they don't miss something. Cause primates, you have to be very black and white. Like you've got to, you know, it's gotta be yes or no. There's no gray area and kids just don't, they're not consistent. They're not going to be consistent. So, um, for me, one of the biggest things with them is that I can't have an idle mind period. And um, that's when, you know, anxiety and PTSD and all of that really creeps in. So they really help on the physical days that I can't go ride Chanel um, or do whatever I want to do. And that really like bothers me. I really can't get bored because I have not only the kids, but the primates and they need a lot of intellectual stimulation. Um, they it require like it sounds like you've got two toddlers. They are. That is, <laughs> I mean, in their lifespan, they are exactly like toddlers. So Evie's two in, you know, her monkey life, but her intellectual age is actually the same as my four-year-old. She knows how to unlock things, open doors, you know, open things, you name it. You can tell her to go sit down. You can tell her to open something like she'll do it. They have a really, and they max out at a five-year-old intellectual age. So you'll have a forever five-year-old for 35 to 45 years. And that's their lifespan in captivity. So they are very much toddlers. So when I tell people I've got three toddlers, two of them are, are furry primates and one of them is a human. And um, I mean, they're great. I love them. They're, I don't recommend them for people to like go out and get, but we do socialize the primates. We do, you know, allow people to come and visit them or whatever. And we can set up encounters with people and we do that. So that way we can educate and get their monkey fix without them feeling like they need to go and get one and they get to interact and they love it. Um, they've interacted with a ton of people um, that they, they know what isn't, isn't okay behavioral wise. And we're very, black and white with that and there's a very specific way to handle everything and we show people that and we let people see like this is the all day every day is this you know this is not something um that we recommend we had a family come over recently um that they were looking at getting a primate and now you have to have either a zoology or biology degree and it's got to be like a master well not a master excuse me a bachelor's um plus x number of experience hours I think it's a little over 200 now um with the species that you're talking about and then you have to apply for your permits that way and you have to have some ice on off and so this family was coming over here to see if that was worth all of that for them because they have a daughter in college and they have um, several children, small children. And I told her, I said, they'll take advantage of the small kids. And if you're, you know, they will. They yeah. will take advantage of every inch that they get, um, including, you know, they'll take their food. Like, you have to be on top of them. They are a full-time job in themselves. 
um, from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed, they're up with me, they're on me, they're around me, they're sitting somewhere or they're playing somewhere around me. We have a whole indoor jungle gym from ceiling to floor that's theirs and it's an entire room. <laughs> that's a, that's a, a fun one because the kids can get on it too. Um, a lot of the younger kids can climb up and do the monkey bars with them and it's just a lot of fun. Um, so we do try to help and give that monkey experience and interaction to try to help calm down, like the wanting of a monkey of your own almost. So they're, they're definitely, I call them my daughters cause I don't have any. <laughs> Amanda, what are you not doing? What have you not done and what are you not doing? That's, that's my final question. <laughs> oh goodness. Um, I really don't know. <laughs> what's next for you do you have anything in the works what what are you what do you have a goal that that's on your vision board but you haven't started on yet I'm just curious I can't imagine what else you would do oh yeah um I always have goals life you've got to have a goal and a plan and then you know you can continue I'm trying to bring my husband home from work so he can like be able to be here, have more family time. He really works a lot and they kind of abused and overwork him because he is so good. Um, and I would like for him to be able to spend more time on the farm. That's his happy place. And that's what he loves to do. That's one of them. My other one is, so I have five other degrees and I'm trying to get a master's in all of them. So that's another goal. <laughs> that is amazing I feel really incompetent right now that's the best way you just called me lazy you just called me lazy and all the letters no y'all I don't sleep I just no I I don't sleep I feel like I love to learn and I feel like as long as you're living you have something to learn and you can be learning and I have a ton of interests. So it's really fun for me to go and get, you know, new degrees and learn. And I like to see how things work and figure out how does that work from the inside? How does that business work from the inside? And so it's fun for me. Um, we have a few additional animals that we want to add to the farm, you know, those types of things. And then, um, do what have a few chickens i'll send to you we got 22 right now i don't know that we need any more chickens i don't know that we need any more my husband would so be down to come take the chickens he is in love with chickens and loves them i don't mind them they're a lot of fun with my kids and goats are too um but the 22 are in the house right now because they're babies and they're all under the heat lamp I feel like I'm living in a birdhouse (laughs) currently. (laughs) Yeah, it's a mess. But business-wise, I want to do a try-on gallery. Like, for those people that, that need to have the tangible object and need to be measured, like if they're taller or have a longer torso and they need a special strap length, like, I would love to be able to just measure them and then also put a bag on them and let them see what they think about it. And I think that that's something that would be fun. It wouldn't be like a, a, we're there all the time type of thing. It would be like a scheduled thing for people. It would be a one-on-one experience. And I think that'd be really cool for people to be able to say, Hey, I'm interested in this bag, but I really have to hold it and feel it and see it. Cause I do have clients like that. And, and those are the tougher ones for me to to handle right now and and one of the ways that we're handling them is going ahead and ordering the bag and then if it doesn't work returning it and while that works it really just doesn't give that full experience that I want to give everybody and so if you're a person that wants to try on things I want to provide that you know I want to do that so we're working on that and we haven't really figured out the logistics of that but we're trying that's a that's a great idea. That's how I chose my bag, my Louie. I, I walked around in the store and every bag that I kind of liked, I got her to get it down and I, I carried it around and would look at I it. I don't blame you. I, 
chose the one that was the most comfortable because it just fit my body. And I was like, this is it. Right. And I want to provide that experience too, because that's a, that's an amazing experience when you go in the store and you do feel, I mean, I want everybody to feel like a celebrity. Like I want everybody to feel like the focus is on them for that period of time. And that, you know, they get all the focus for that time and they feel catered to and special and all of that. Like that's just part of it. And I think having a try on gallery might add to that. So I'm, we're trying on that one. Well, we feel service. like you are especially special, Amanda. And oh, I yeah. cannot thank you enough for coming on the show today. Thank you so much. I'm so glad y'all invited me and I appreciate it. And I'm so honored and just you know, I enjoy it and I'm honored to even be asked. I would have never really thought that I would be. So thank you so much. It has been a joy to talk to you. You just so interesting and so inspirational. I love you. I appreciate it. Yeah. So everybody go and find Amanda on Instagram diaries of a warrior mom at diaries of a warrior mom. And she blogs over at got it in the bag. So go, go find Amanda and Amanda will help you find the designer bag of your dreams. Right, Amanda? Yes. Oh, yes. We've got your back on that one. I promise. <laughs> Thanks, Amanda. Thank you. Hi, BFFs. Our families would like to thank all of our sponsors, as well as you, our friends, for supporting this podcast. We are grateful for Petty Dental of Bartlett for funding this episode. Mm-hmm.